Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're finally here. The top teams in college basketball have been determined in the Final Four, and now the Final Two are set. Looking to wager on the national championship game? Head on over to betonline.ag on your desktop or mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all updated odds and info along with player props and new contests throughout the year. It's the best source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and everyone's favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so join today. Learn why everyone is saying BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. And what's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Jesse Cass and Alex Acker back with you here. Very excited as we get close to the end of the regular season. There's so much to talk about and break down. Alex, uh, so good to be back with you and, and here breaking down some Clippers basketball on the Believe Podcast Network. Man, we back, baby. We back. It's been a minute. Uh, I've kind of been missing it, man. For real. I've been itching to get on the podcast for a long time, man. This is dope. Yeah, now we're back and, and ready to get back to our our normal schedule and, and regular scheduled duties, and, and it's a perfect time, really, because, uh, you know, the Clippers, obviously, it's been a season filled with, with injuries and, and, you know, being able to overcome with so many great comebacks and, uh, you know, the, the incredible coaching of Ty Lue, the versatility of the team. You know, we've talked about it at length, but uh, we're getting into the home stretch here, just one more week of the regular season, and... You know, it's get it's gotten interesting for the Clippers for a couple of reasons. You know, they they went through a little bit of a a tough stretch, but all of a sudden, maybe getting a little healthier, a little more whole. Uh, you know, obviously Paul George is back. There's the rumblings that Norman Powell could be back this week, and then of course, you know the the big looming question of you know if Kawhi can come back at some point. But but regardless, Paul George is back. He's looked great. Uh, you know, what have you seen in his time and, and you know, his his three games on the court since he's returned, uh, you know, just a little over a week ago against Utah? Man, I got to say this, man, Jess. Like, it's, it's, it's literally impossible to actually come back the way he's been coming back from three months out and play the way he's been playing. It seemed like he didn't even miss a beat. It's very hard to implement the, the, the timing and rhythm um, in a basketball setting when you're not in the game underneath the whistle and stuff like that with the crowd on you. And it seems like he's just a natural scorer, man. And it really is. He's getting to a spot, sufficient, consistent. And uh, I just love the fact that, you know, uh, they actually broadcasted so much out here in Italy, which was dope. You know what I mean? His return and stuff like that. So I got a chance to actually watch the full game with no hiccups. In Italian, of course, but at the same time, I got to watch, I got to watch it. <laughs> and just seeing that guy go off, it was pretty dope. It really was. I was really impressed by uh, the the poise that he played. And I'm always looking outside. It's probably because I'm a basketball player. 
I'm looking at the fine tune and details of him just actually playing. And I thought he was going to run out of breath in the fourth quarter. And he, you know what I mean, he finished strong as well, too. Got these guys a big win. Yeah, it was almost a carbon copy of that game six win in the playoffs over Utah. You know, they're down by 25 in both of those games. Uh, you know, obviously, second half, turn it on. Paul George being one of the keys in that. But, yeah, like you said, really no ill effects at all. You know, we've seen in a couple of the other recent games, you know, maybe a little bit more of the, you know, the shooting being a little bit streakier, which you would expect. But um, the way the way that he's, that he's looked, as you said, from the eye test, moving defensively, being incredibly active. I mean, four steals in that first game all over the court, doing it on both ends. And like you said, you know, they, they came into that game with not a specific number, but, you know, the likelihood that he'd be on some kind of minutes limit or restriction. Went 31 minutes, shot 50%, 34 points, six assists, four steals. I mean, just an all-encompassing, dominant performance. And after that long of a time off, it was, you know, not a surprise because he's such a great player. But as you said, it's that, that doesn't happen often when you're off for that long, thrown into... You know, a high-quality basketball game against a good team to come out like that was was extremely encouraging and a great sign for the Clippers. Fresh legs, baby. Fresh legs. There's <laughs> nothing, nothing more awesome in the world to play with some fresh legs, you know. And hats off to the training staff because they did a hell of a job. Whatever they did, man, <laughs> it looked like he didn't miss a beat at all. So, yeah, he did an amazing job. Yeah, and of course, you know, of course this has been a team that has played with so many different lineups with all the injuries like we've talked about. But you just look at the team over the past couple of weeks, and last week in particular since they've gotten a little bit more healthy with PG, uh, and you just see some of the, the leading scores and guys that have chipped in. Of course, the George 34 against Utah, you know, the game that they probably should have won and gave away against Chicago, but Reggie Jackson with 34 in that one, and then the game where, you know, they sat about eight players on the back-to-back, and then Covington explodes for 43 then you got Marcus Morris going for 22 the other night. So uh, it's just kind of a testament to what this team has been, no matter who's out there, uh, just always finding ways to be competitive and win a lot of games. And, you know, that's the reason that they just found themselves, or they have found themselves where they are and just clinch, clinching the eighth seed and getting into that, that play-in tournament and, and giving them a chance to, to get in the playoffs and try to make some noise. No question. One man down, the next man step up for sure. Um, I love the way this team has always been collectively built together. You can put anybody in the starting five, and they're going to actually flourish. So um, any one of these guys, bench players-wise, they're they meant to start, um, and they're ready, you know what I mean, to have that type of uh, environment where they actually perform at a high level and, and get that chance to play, you know. Uh, so all these guys that you mentioned, they're, they're ready to play at a high level and perform, and Man, we always know that our guy, uh, Par George, is ready, but we know Reggie Jackson is always going to be ready. You know what I mean? So, um, him actually leading the team, which we know he could. He did it in Detroit as well, too. And to have him back, this, this cooking like this is phenomenal for sure. And it's funny. I was I was talking to a, you know someone I know who works within the Clippers organization and kind of talking about that, that first Utah game. And, and he had mentioned just how refreshing it was to see Reggie Jackson get – open catch and shoot three which you think you know in, in, nor- in normal times when the team's healthy that would happen a lot and we saw it a ton in the playoffs the past couple of years uh but you think of what the role that reggie's had to play most of this season with no Kawhi leonard limited paul george 
Uh, you know, he's Reggie has been playing, you know, oftentimes 40 minutes a night. He's had the ball in his hands a lot. So you think about, you know, what this team was architected to be and what you envision. You know, Reggie can still do things off the dribble, but, you know, you put him kind of back in that third, fourth scorer role, and it just makes this team so much more dangerous where you get him getting these wide-open looks from three, which is what helped him be so dynamic in the playoffs last year. Uh, obviously, the more talent you add, the easier it gets, but it, it just shows evidence right there of, you know, kind of how good this team can be the healthier they get. No, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, guy played 33 minutes, only had a couple of turnovers, you know what I mean, 10 assists. That's efficient, you know what I mean, from a point guard standpoint. And to actually, you know, uh, dominate the ball that much and facilitate it for these guys so they can get their looks and stuff too. Yes, you, you, you actually got a chance to watch these guys play, you know what I mean, the last game. You know, so how how crazy is it to see them up close and personal rather than sitting back eating popcorn <laughs> at your living room and, and enjoying it from that standpoint? Yeah, no, I was in the building for the uh, the game against the Pelicans on Sunday night, and uh, it was fun. You know, it was, it was a, like we kind of were just alluding to, a, a full team effort. And you had Paul George out there. You know, he got off to a hot start. He had four threes in the in the first quarter. You know, he had only actually finished with 15 points total, but because it wasn't needed, because of how much everyone else was doing. And I think, you know, that, that was fun to see. Uh, and this team really dial it up on both ends of the court. You know, New Orleans is a team that, is going to be in the playing tournament as well. There's someone who's given the Clippers a lot of trouble in a, in an individual matchup. Uh, so to see the Clippers really dominate that game from you know the first quarter on was was impressive. And I think the thing that you know is what we've talked about and envisioned: the healthier they get, the length defensively that can lead to their offense. Where you look at you know Robert Covington being thrown into this mix and what he brings defensively. You already have that in Batum, of course, Paul George. You know, Terrence Mann, all of these guys who are long, athletic, quick, getting hands in the passing lane and then being able to get out and run, which has not necessarily been a strength of this team. Uh, that was great to see. And then, you know, second straight game, they've hit over 23 pointers in a game. So you've got, along with that defense and versatility, all of this shooting with George, Jackson, Covington, Luke Kennard coming in with four threes off the bench. Uh, you know, it just goes on and on. So I think the depth the versatility, the speed, the shooting, uh, you know, that's kind of what this team can be at their best. And you think about adding what they're missing with Norman Powell, who's probably the team's third best player when you look at it talent-wise. And then, of course, Kawhi, who is the team's best player. But they've been, you know, missing the top three for most of the season and still been a very good team. So uh, to see it up close and personal uh, just kind of gives you some some hope for, for what they can do this season, you know, I know we've talked a lot about looking forward to next year, and it's certainly not going to be an easy road going through a play-in and then being matched up with a one or two seed in the first round. But, you know, if you have Paul George and Norman Powell, and then who knows, you know, if Kawhi's there, that's obviously a whole other level. But even if you have those two guys and George and Powell, uh, I think there's a real chance to make it very interesting uh, for the teams at the top half of the conference. No, for sure. You know, you, you alluded to a lot of these guys that are that are playing. We do have um, some high-caliber players that are not playing. You know what I mean? And Powell has definitely been averaging 18 points, you know, that's far this year. It's unfortunate that he's had injuries. But the whole season, a lot of teams are being injury-prone, you know, so you can't use that as a crutch anymore. You definitely got to go with what you got. And, 
You know, I'm just loving the way these guys are stepping up and playing at a high level. And we talked even about uh, Hood. You know, he we see potential in him. Um, he's playing little minutes here and there, trying to find himself. But you know, he, he's a seasoned guy that could probably play um, uh, a good role in the playoffs. You know, once they get there, and you know, blossom into you know the Hood that we know, 15 foot mid range that can cook for them, you know, and, and a sleeper in a way. So they have a lot of sleepers, I should mention, uh, from that standpoint. As far as scrub as well, too, we know he can play and, and outperform a lot of players still as well on the defensive end and get a great – do a great job as far as stops. But, man, um, the list goes on. You know, the next man up is definitely going to be ready for sure for this team. Yeah, and you look at guys, like you said, that have been – might be, you know, not playing a lot of minutes or at the end of the bench in the playoffs but have – been quintessential players during this year someone like Amir Coffey who just got finally rewarded with that you know converting that contract from a two-way to a to a standard contract but you know the game where a lot of people sat the other night he comes out and drops 32 points so it's just you know you have these guys who can who can fill in and just are ready no matter what so um, you know it that'll be you know it's a good problem to have but that'll be interesting to see the decisions Ty Lue has to make if Paul George is, you know, Paul George is back, but, you know, with Paul George in the lineup, with Norman Powell, uh, you know, whose minutes get cut, uh, you know, that's, that's a, a tough task for Ty Lue and his coaching staff. But as we saw last year in the playoffs, that could be determined on on the matchup where, you know, in the first round against Dallas, Beverly didn't play. And then in the next round against Utah, he was starting. So we know Ty Lue yeah. is never afraid to adjust and mix and match. So uh, it just proves to the point more that, if you're not playing one game, just you got to stay ready because we know with Ty Lue, he's gonna he's gonna tinker uh, to whatever works the best and gives you the best chance to win. No, for sure, for sure. What are we looking like right now in the playoffs, man? If it, if it's, if everything stopped right now, who will we be playing against up against um, in the position that we're in right now? Yeah, as it stands right now, uh, last week of the regular season, uh, Clippers would be in that one game play in against. As of now, it would be Minnesota. So that game would be a home game for, for Minnesota. So as the Clippers, as the eight seed, no matter who they play in that first play-in game, it would be on the road. Um, so it looks like right now, Minnesota, if there's an outside chance, uh, it could be Utah or Denver as well. Uh, but right now, Minnesota, a game and a half back uh, of Utah for that sixth spot. Uh, just take a quick look at their schedules remaining. Utah... Two tough ones and two easy ones in their final four. They've got Memphis, OKC, Phoenix, and Portland. Uh, Minnesota, just three games left. Uh, Washington, San Antonio, and Chicago. And then Denver, as we said, they're in a little bit better position to avoid that play. And they have San Antonio, Memphis, and the Lakers as their final three. So right now, it, it looks like Minnesota, um, which would be interesting. As long as, it, as, long as it's not Dallas, because they are our tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> no, it seems, at least in the first round, thankfully, uh, despite the Clippers having won the past two years, they will, we will not have the nightmare of watching Luca cook for, for forty five a night. Uh, it's uh, we can kind of, yeah, we can kind of sit back and marvel from a distance and not have to be sweating over it each night. So, yeah, it, at least the. Uh, yeah, the Luca factor of things, it won't happen in the first round. So that so that's a that's a good and fortunate thing for the Clippers. But but if, if it is Minnesota, what do you think about that matchup? That's obviously a 
a young team, super talented, but a team that doesn't really have any playoff experience, you know, one round a couple years ago for some of these guys. Uh, but it's also a team that's played really well in the second half of the season. They, of course, kind of got an identity identity and culture shift with a with our guy Patrick Beverly, who's made a huge difference over there. So, uh, you know, what do you think about that matchup? Obviously, Carl Anthony Towns is the big star there, but Towns, Edwards, Russell, our guy Pat Bev, uh, what, what do you think about that potential one-game play-in against the, the Timberwolves? Man, it's a hell of a matchup. You know what I mean? I think in the post-presence, you got Towns, who's been uh, a key starter as far as like a in, in, um, MVP candidate right now, the way he's been playing. You know what I mean? And he's been jumping out the gym for sure. Um, I think it comes down to really like if, if, if Kawhi is available, um and the low post presence, you know, I think that's going to be huge as far as getting these guys uh, to stop Towns and, and whatever he's going to be able to do. But Towns can actually take it out top, you know what I mean? He can actually he can actually facilitate. He can put it on the ground. He's a threat, man, for real. And that's going to be a key matchup for us to actually stop him if it was coming down to playing Minnesota. And we know the Clippers have had a lot of success against some other big men in terms of going small. Obviously, that's tough to do against someone like Towns. We know Zubats, of course, will, will get his run there. Hartenstein, as well, has played really well. But, you know, what do you think is the best way to go about that matchup where you said we got those big guys in Zoo and Hartenstein, but we know Towns can be on the perimeter as well. Do you try to mix it up, go small, where you have, you know, Batum and, and Covington and Morris, those guys out there, and try to spread the floor, or do you stay stay big? You know, what what do you think is the advantageous matchup when you're playing a team like Minnesota? Man, I think uh, you hit it on the head for sure. It's probably got 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 our bigs on weak side help as far as if he's attacking and putting somebody with you know a little bit uh, quicker lateral movement. Um, we got rid of one key matchup as far as the um, uh, Serge Ibaka. Um, which would have been a huge piece, you know what I mean, defending him. But, uh, yeah, we'll probably put on somebody that's a little bit more linkier, linkier and um, having weak side help be a presence as far as the bigs to step up and, you know, alter his shots from that standpoint on, for sure, and not putting him in foul trouble up front. Yeah, and that's something, that's a good point, with the, with the weak side help and just kind of the team defense aspect of it where, you think of some of the specialties of, of the Clippers defenders where we talked about it a little bit, but Paul George, one of the best in the league in terms of his hands and deflections. Robert Covington is among the leaders in, in the league in, in both steals and blocks and, and those numbers combined. So we know he's a deflection master. Same with Nick Batum. So you know, those guys in kind of their situational you know, awareness and help side defense could, could be a big factor in that ball game. And then I think, you know, offensively for the Clippers – I think that could be where they can can really potentially, you know, take advantage of th- some things right. against the Timberwolves. You know, obviously Beverly's a great defender. You know, they've got Jared Vanderbilt and um, you know Jane McDaniel, some other defenders that that are solid. But there are some of those guys that you can key in on it and try to go after, which we know Ty Lue is not afraid to do in terms of hunting mismatches. You know, I think you really have to make D'Angelo Russell work defensively. You know, you got a couple of guys who can try to try to make things tough on him for as good as he is offensively. You know, he struggles on the defensive end. You know, Anthony Edwards, he, he can be a good defender, but you want to try to test him so you can get him in foul trouble as well. And then 
And of course, Towns, who not a bad defender, but someone who you can also, you know, bring out on the perimeter, try to get him in situations he's not as comfortable, maybe get him in foul trouble. I think those are yep. areas, if, especially if you can do that early and kind of, kind of try to rattle a younger team, then then maybe that could find some success uh, on the road, which should, you know, definitely be a big time environment for Minnesota for you know, a team that's pretty starved for some, you know, meaningful basketball and playoff basketball. No, for sure. I think one of those things that, that he struggles with is, is is showing on the screens for sure. He's always in drop motion. So setting high screens and attacking him um, downhill and, and seeing what he can actually do as far as stopping our guards is going to be a great situation for us, you know what I mean? And putting Paul George with the ball, he can actually stop on a dime and hit that 15 mid-range. And he can knock down threes consecutively um, on on the ball, you know. So it's going to be a, a, a threat on both ways for sure. Who's going to stop each other? Who's going to get hot first, I think. Right. And and I know this Clippers team is one that, you know, not necessarily a live-by-the-three, die-by-the-three team, but we have seen sometimes where they get, you know, three-point happy and they're not attacking the basket. Yeah. I think yeah. that'll be important where, you know, you still want this team to put up a lot of threes, but you want them to – get them the right way and organically where you're attacking and creating those three-point shots rather than just forcing up tough yeah. ones, which recently, you know, in that New Orleans game I was at the other night as well, they did a great job of where, you know, three-pointers were raining down, but they were getting them, as we said, with off of steals, off of penetration, off of ball movement. So I think, it, you know, as long as they get those shots the right way and remain aggressive and still try to get to the free-throw line as well, uh, I think that's a big key for them, not only in any one-game playoff, but just in any game in general, especially in the playoffs where, you know, free throws are always big and you've got a lot of guys on the team who are, you know, most guys on the team are, are very good free throw shooters. So that, you know, that's something that could help you out in those moments where the offense might bog down. Perfect. Yep. I agree 100%. Yeah. And let's say, you know, I said there's the off chance that it could not be Minnesota – uh, it would clearly be quite a fall if they did drop to seven, but uh, if it is Utah, we know the Clippers are very familiar with Utah. It's obviously a tough place to play. There's a lot of history there, especially recently with last year and just this last week with that turnaround collapse. Um, you know, if that is Utah, how do you think Utah deals with that mentally, and how do you think you know that affects the Clippers in any way in their confidence if it is a game going into Utah to try to win a one-game playoff? Man, man, just Utah is a threat the way they move that ball. You know what I mean? I think it's just a two-dribble two rule for them. I only see everybody just really just moving with the ball, without the ball. They cutting, you know what I mean? The the offense is fluent. It's kind of hard to stop them. It really is, you know, and just force them to have, take bad shots because it's it's really amazing Thing to see when you see basketball the way Utah plays, you know, and um, it's going to be hard for <clears throat> the way we actually pound the ball a lot with dribbling, and dribbling, and dribbling, and you know what I mean, and dominating the ball a little bit more as far as Paul George getting to his rhythm shots and stuff. But um, we can play with these guys at a high level, you know what I mean? We can defend, we're actually longer, we're actually more agile as well, too, and um. It's just more so of what you just said in the beginning of taking what the defense is, is actually giving us and taking what we want as far as attacking the rim. And uh, once we get the big fella Rudy Gerber to actually come out and actually defend, it's going to be curtains for them for sure. And that's the key thing, the matchup. 
wise to, to draw him out. Yeah, and that's been something that's kind of been highlighted on you know on Twitter and you know basketball communities recently with you know no, obviously the conversation about Gobert and being pulled out, which is not all on him. A lot of that is you know Utah's perimeter defenders not being able to you know keep the ball in front of them and then having Rudy kind of hung out to dry. But it's it's the it's the same thing pretty much as this huge team last year, as you said. There, when they're rolling, they're a dynamic offense. They shoot the lights out. But they also kind of have these in, internal issues where you see Rudy Gobert try to seal a defender and teammates mm-hmm. not even looking his way. So that's, you know, on the offensive end where Rudy Gobert at some points is just kind of off, not being given any attention. That makes it tough for Utah down the stretch. And then that kind of allows teams like like the Clippers and like we saw the Warriors after them this week to go small and not really be punished by it. You know, they're really as long as they're boxing out and rebounding, you know Utah's not going to throw it inside to, to get easy baskets there. So, you know, if Utah doesn't make you pay by going small, then that could be a big advantage for the Clippers. You know, obviously in a one-game type playoff, anything can happen. Someone gets hot, just might not be your night. But, uh, you know, like I said, I don't expect that to be the matchup. I think it will most likely be Minnesota, but... If it is Utah, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what their confidence level is like because they could come in and, as we've seen, hit 25 threes and run away with a with an easy win, or you know, they could get cold and get tight and not play well, and then you know, Clippers who you know, if that game would be close yeah. down the stretch, you know, who knows what yeah. what Utah's mindset is like in a game like that. Definitely, it's definitely going to be 25 threes up. <laughs> it's going to be 25 up. It can go 0 for 25 or or 24 for 25. You never know for sure. Yeah, it might it might be it might be 63s up and then you know, 25 <laughs> in. But but yeah, for uh, you know, regardless, as we said, if the Clippers win that first play-in game, they would be the the seven seed and play the two seed Memphis Grizzlies. If they were to lose the first play-in game. They play the winner of the 9-10, which, as of right now, is New Orleans and the Spurs. The Lakers still have a shot to get back in there, but as of right now, the Lakers are on the outside looking in. So if the Clippers were, let's say, to lose to Minnesota or Utah and then get New Orleans or San Antonio or the Lakers and win that second game, they would then be the eight seed and play the number one seed, the Phoenix Suns. So let's just quickly go through each of those matchups, if the Clippers are the seven and they were to take on Memphis, uh, what do you think about that matchup? Obviously a young team that has played great this season. Uh, you know, they've even played well when John Morant has not played uh, with, you know, 20 and two when he's been out of the lineup, but still obviously in the playoffs, jaw is, is the main guy, but uh, you know, what do you see about, yeah. What do you think about that matchup? They got some dogs over there. Man. <laughs> I just seen a couple of games and, these guys don't care if Jai's on the court or not. They ten times better with them for sure, but they got some dogs that's going. Um, what's the two guards name? I forgot his name just now. Thinking about him. Yeah, they got strong, dude. Desmond Bain, who's a Bain. He's out right now, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, Bain, of course. Jaron Jackson inside. Uh, yeah, Stephen Adams out there. You know, they have, they definitely have a deep, strong team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they play they play with heart. You know what I mean. And, yeah. I see it on them. They're going nonstop. They don't care. They just beat the Phoenix Suns and knocked them out of their they winning streak. I think it was in a nine-game winning streak. And 
you know, they do not care at all. So you're going to have to finish that game all the way through 48 minutes, you know what I mean, to beat these guys because they're not stopping at all. So it's going to be a tough one. And you know how sometimes we struggle during the course of, you know, I should say the start of the game when we're trying to actually play not nonchalant and play sluggish a little bit and, and try to play catch up. And we can't do that at all with the, with these guys for sure because they're ready to go from jump off. That's all I got to say about them for sure. Yeah, no, that that's certainly a key for any matchup, but especially, like you said, against a team that kind of has the mentality we've seen from Memphis this year. Yeah, any any type of lackadaisical start or, a, you know, lack of attention to detail, focus, whatever it is that has led to some of these slower starts for the Clippers, yeah, that can happen, obviously, in the playoff scenario. We've seen them be able to overcome it a lot, but you never want to put yourself in that type of hole uh, and it would be super interesting. You know, the Grizzlies obviously played well against the Clippers this year. You know, those are in games where the Clippers were generally not healthy. But, uh, you know, I, I think in terms of a matchup, it's it's one where you see a lot of even type of styles going back each way. Obviously, Jaw is his own incredible entity. But, you know, you've got athletic wings, you know, aggressive defenders who can shoot the ball, got some size inside. You know, it's a team that is not that dissimilar to the Clippers in terms of what they bring. So, uh, you know, a lot of it will come down to that shooting, that aggressiveness defensively, and, and you know, if the Grizzlies, you know, they did make the playoffs last year and get through that playing round, you know, so they have a little bit of playoff experience, but, you know, how they kind of handle playoff expectations now as a higher seed and if they, you know, feel the moment a little bit in that way. But I think, I think it would be a super interesting matchup you know, if Paul George and Norman Powell are out there, um, I think that's yeah. you know gives the Clippers a great shot to to be successful in that series. Uh, but but that would be by no means be an easy series, even if it was George Powell and Kawhi Leonard, who of course, you know, sure. you know the the underlying thing I think for the Clippers, no matter who they play, is is the rhythm. And you know, the, this is obviously anytime you add extreme talent, it's great. But you're looking at a lot of guys who haven't played together a lot. Some haven't played together at all yet. Uh, so, you know, trying to find that rhythm in the most intense style of basketball and playoff basketball is a tough ask. So I think that, you know, that's as big a key as anything for the Clippers to to bring it together, you know, find a rhythm for guys that haven't necessarily played together a ton. No, for sure. That, that key word as far as adversity is, is huge. Once you once you build that trust for that other teammate, you, you know what I mean? You don't hold it. You're not timid to actually pass it and let him do his thing and rock out. Um, that that chemistry is needed, you know. So chemistry and adversity goes hand in hand. You know, you got to be able to trust your teammates uh, on a string as far as defense as well, too. So um, not playing with each other for that long period or, or the chemistry, it, it definitely weighs in. You know, as far as getting over those humps, especially with, you know, the Clippers trying to get over that hill every single year that we've been cheering them on to get over. And um, it's, it's just a huge thing for sure. Yeah. In Memphis, I don't know. It's obviously, if that is indeed the matchup, then we're going to, you know, get into more of the full breakdowns whenever we do know that, you know, after the playing results and yeah. the matchup, we can break it down much further. But, you know, they're a team that, I said it could be just one of those things on paper where you look at it and it's super even. And even in terms of style, like we said, with Memphis is a team where 
They can play bigger with Steven Adams out there, and you can't necessarily crush them by going small because Jaron Jackson, even though he's a big man, he shoots threes. He's one of the best defenders in the league. And then you got, as you said, guys like Bain and Dylan Brooks and Kyle Anderson to go along with Ja. So, yeah, it, it would be a, a, an amazing matchup and uh, one that would be super exciting. And it would also bring back you know, some of the, the old rivalry from – from the Lob City days when the Clippers played the Grizzlies in back-to-back years, uh, you know, deal, dealing with some of those those old crowds and maybe those yeah. feelings bubble up again. That that could be super fun. No, that'd be dope. That would be. And, and <coughs> something that might be just as fun, just as crazy, would be, let's say the Clippers end up as the eight seed. They would get a first-round matchup with, the team that has been by far the best team record-wise in the league this year, the Phoenix Suns. So, obviously, a team they played a year ago. Uh, you know, what are your thoughts about that? You know, we we know how good Phoenix has been. They've been a machine this year. Booker's been amazing. Chris Paul has done his thing. We know they have, you know, the good wings with, with Bridges and Johnson. Of course, Aiton inside, very deep. You know, very good in the clutch. Good home, good away. Obviously, been a great team with sixty-two wins right now. Um, yeah. You know, I think for that one, health is probably the most important for the Clippers. Where, you know, obviously Kawhi is the ultimate X factor, but uh, you know, Kawhi, PG, Norm Powell. If the Clippers have a full team, uh, that I'm sure Phoenix would not feel like they really earned. <laughs> you know, that'd be a tough eight seed to go as your first round matchup after such a great year, no, but. Sure. Uh, you know, what do you, what would you think about that matchup? No, I mean, those those players, if we had those guys healthy, I'm, I, I would really think that uh, the Phoenix Suns would be looking over their shoulders for sure. You know, um, knowing that they're not fully whole, um, they're trucking, they're, they're moving, they're plowing, and they're not stopping at all. Um, it's magical what these guys are doing for sure. You know, even with, Chris Paul, you know, leading the way and, and giving Brooks the, the the ball whenever he needs it and, and the shine, and it's just crazy. You know what I mean? Um, I just love the chemistry that these guys are playing. I know this is a Clipper podcast, but these guys are playing some unbelievable basketball, and I just got to give it to these guys. They, they've been really um, – it really feels like they're on a mission. Out of all the teams that I've seen – um, it really feels that they're on a mission, and they um, they're really ready to get a championship. Um, I would have thought that you know the the feat that they lost it would have been a huge setback, just because the 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 way they actually really put everything into that gear last year and, and came up short. You know, um, they came up even stronger with a chip on their shoulder, even more this year that I see. You know, um, even more so as far as the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Phoenix Suns is definitely on the mission. So it'll be scary, you know, um, even with the team that we have and their whole fresh legs and all, it would be a huge, huge, you know, deal to actually get this thing going and, and win in Phoenix, I would say. That would be the hugest thing. We would have to bring one home from Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. It would be a, quite a series, and, and to your point, Phoenix has been the most locked-in team this year in terms of their regular season performance. As we said, best record in the league. You know they've been they haven't missed a beat at all. They've been dominant all year long. Um, the Clippers, you know, regular you throw the regular season 
out, obviously. Clippers have had a couple of good performances against Phoenix this year, for whatever that's worth. But, um, you know, I think that it would be quite a matchup. And, you know, even if Kawhi is unable to go, I think if it's Paul George and Norman Powell, you look at the series last year, and I know it's a different year, but that, you know, that's a series that goes six games. Clippers lose a couple of those games in the final moments where, you know, that's a series that could go either way, and they did that, you know, without Kawhi Leonard. I think this is a team that you throw in, obviously, Powell, Robert Covington, uh, you know, some of the other pieces that, they, that they've that they added and, and just that have developed and gotten even better. Uh, I think they have a shot to win as if, if, you know, I think Powell has to be there with Paul George, but I think if he is, I think they have a real shot to win, and then if they have Kawhi, I think they have an even greater shot to win, but... Uh, either way, it'll be by no means be an easy, easy series. That's a six or seven game series minimum. Uh, and like you said, you're going to have to get some, maybe one or two on the road. So uh, it's against against a team. Me, don't get me wrong either. I, I, I love Clippers. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and what you said is completely true. Um, they play the same style of basketball, up-tempo, you know, pace, transition. And nobody actually can compete against the Clippers when when we're playing like that. You know what I mean? Three key matchups: Golden State that plays like that, and we 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 got a win over there in Golden State, which is you know phenomenal the way we play, and uh, we can actually play with anybody up Temple, you know for sure. So it's just a matter of who's going to actually miss first. I say <laughs> playing against the Suns. Yeah, no, and and obviously when you like we said when you win sixty plus games, you earn the right to be. You know, the team, everything goes through you at that point, at least in the Western Conference right now. So they would be the favorites, and the Clippers would have to be the team to, you know, pull the upset and take it to them. But uh, it would be quite a series if they were to match up uh, and take on Phoenix in the first round. Regardless, Phoenix or Memphis, uh, that would be pretty incredible um, either way. So we'll see what happens in the final week of the regular season uh, before we wrap things up, wrap things up and sign off. Alex, just since it's been a little bit, we're winding down the regular season. Uh, first, kind of wrapping up the Western Conference, uh, you know, we're obviously not a Lakers podcast, but it's just... It, it, it's crazy, right? It is crazy. Yeah, I, yeah we, have, we haven't had a chance to talk about it. There is still a shot that they, you know, they make up the, the two-game deficit on San Antonio and get back in the play-in. But if this Lakers team, we know they've had a lot of injuries, too. But if they yeah. miss not only the playoffs but the play-in tournament altogether, is this one of the most disappointing teams ever? This is there's 16 games under 500 for a team with with LeBron and Westbrook and AD. You know we know they signed a lot of older players and there was questions, but I don't think anyone envisioned it going this badly. So just what are your thoughts on on what's gone on over there? Man, I, I think this is a creative team for sure. And whoever has the whoever has the controller is a four year old. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to me how these guys are uh, the way they're playing. I don't know what it is over there, uh, a bug or something, but um, they've been trying to do anything and everything and bring people in and take pieces out and you know I don't know if it's the the way they play or. the chemistry they have or what's going on in the locker room but it's not working at all is, is LeBron out that's the question I meant to ask I'm way over here on the other side of the world so I'm hearing that he's completely out indefinite or is he out 
Yeah. LeBron, he played the other end against the Pelicans, and then after a short turnaround, he he sat out the game against the Nuggets. So he's dealing with a with an ankle sprain. I think he'll be able to play the next couple games going forward. But yeah, you know that status is still kind of up in the air. Yeah, stand by. I just seen him die like Superman into the stands. I was thinking that was intentional or not. Like, he just wanted to get out. <laughs> I had no clue. And then I'm reading a tweet about him. He's talking about, him. well, if I see you guys in the, you know, in the summertime or something like that. So I'm like, what is going on over here? Yeah, that seemed to be a, an ill-timed, it was an April Fool's tweet. But, yeah, anytime you're... Ah, okay. Anytime your team is struggling and fighting to make the playoffs, it seemed like a weird tweet. But, you know, not the first time yeah. that, that that will happen. Um, but, yeah, no, his status like is kind of, I guess, game to game in terms of that, that ankle. And, you know, same thing, Anthony Davis just came back, but still seems like he's not 100%. So, as you said, we, we... How many times has Anthony Davis came back? Like, <laughs> yeah, no, that's obviously, like we said, injuries are a huge part of it for them. And, and for Davis, you know, whatever, you know, offseason plan or, you know, plan they had for him in terms of getting his body right, they've got to do something else because he's, he's really struggled to stay on the court. Um, you know, so hopefully for, for him and for them, they can, they can figure out a way to, to keep him healthy going forward. But, yeah, injuries yeah. and then and then obviously the – I think the fit – with Westbrook, as we said, was was a tough one. It done, you know, didn't make a lot of sense with that group. And then, kind of the yeah. construction, like you said, of, of everything else. A lot of older guys, not not necessarily great shooters. And then the guys that are shooters aren't necessarily great defenders. So just the the overall construction of that roster was a little questionable. But like we said, I think even for those of us who thought it wouldn't, but you know, necessarily work for it to. To be where it's at now is still, you know, quite a surprise. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I, I got to say, I'm not a head coach at all, so I don't want to step on any toes, but you can see that AD does not want to play the five. He does not want to be banging down there and, and, and posting up, you know, when he doesn't want to and, and picking and rolling and stuff. He wants to play his game as a four, stretch three, and you have one of the biggest bodies that's on the bench as far as Howard, and he's not getting any tick. You got to understand, if anybody that knows basketball, Howard has been an elite player, you know, all his career. I don't know what happened or something like that, or he just lost his monster powers out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy can still play. He's a huge presence on defense as well, and he's willing to do anything and everything to win another championship. So... Yeah, I mean, like, what is going on for real? Like, we got to have conversations in this room to really understand why this guy is not playing who's damn near been a four-time All-Star and, and, you know what I mean, a high-caliber player. That's just my thought for sure. Yeah, obviously, Howard, maybe not the same player, but in terms, you know, he's someone who helped them win a couple years ago and still can provide something. You know, he'll start games and then not play a lot of minutes after, so... I don't know. I, I think they've been obviously trying to search for what works for them. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I think some of it's those coaching decisions. Other other parts of it are just, you know, a lot of pieces that just don't fit well together. Uh, and, you know, yeah. you put, like you said, you put together a team where you, for one, you change over almost the entire roster. So you're dealing with a whole new component in terms of continuity and, and teammates that have to get to know each other. And then two... Like we said, just a lot of guys that are not necessarily 
great players anymore. And that you know that's not a knock on, on their ability, but whether it's whether it's age or whether it's you know you know different sets of skills where they don't necessarily mesh with that group, it's just been mm-hmm. kind of a an all time blunder for this team that has some all time players with LeBron and AD and Westbrook, but it just uh, it has not worked over there. It's been pretty wild. No, it hasn't at all, for sure. And uh, I mean, I think that pretty much is going down the list and seeing who's a free agent and they're just picking from the litter. Um, you really need to, and and LeBron knows what what, what sacrifices are needed to actually win a championship. You need key pieces, you know, that that fit the role. It's not guys that are just going to score unlimited baskets, thinking that's going to build a team. People have to actually sacrifice and do certain things in order to win a championship. And, um, you know, it just goes with the mindset of these guys. And somebody has to give instead of taking, you know. And <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it's pretty much over in the sense where I don't really think I have zero chances of believing that they're going to win a championship, uh, which is fair to say, you know, since. You know, you've seen it right now of all the things that they're doing. Um, but more so, it's just like, what are we doing right now? Like, <laughs> why are we actually playing this way? We have unlimited range of players that can play at a high level still, and we still can't put pieces together and, and fit this mold. It's just crazy to me. Yeah, I think it was just one of those things this off season where, you know, that was my rant. I'm sorry. No, it's a good one, and <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things this off season where, you know, Westbrook obviously still is an incredibly talented player, but he's someone who's Incredible. a unique player. You know, he's someone who has to ha- have the ball in his hands a lot, a specific system and type of players around him. You know, not necessarily conducive to to being off the ball. Where a guy like LeBron, who's obviously a better player you know, needs the ball a lot as well. And Westbrook's not a guy who's going to cut a lot. He's not a guy who can shoot the ball well from the outside. And then you look at, obviously, the contract where, you know, $44 million, you give up, like you show in that trade, you know, Kyle Kuzma and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, and you don't re-sign Alex Caruso. You know, those are all yeah. key guys that you replace. God, for... lead on Kyle Caruso. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, key guys who were big factors to winning and then while Westbrook's an extremely talented player you just kind of take up you know that giant contract and you can't add as you said a lot around that I think it you know it it was a big gamble that just did not pay off at all no for sure let me ask you something I'm gonna put you in the hot seat right now (laughs) yeah uh the style of play that that Rush plays you you think is is the caliber of, of a point guard that can win a championship the way he plays in this era now you know the the way basketball is played now. You know, I I think it's really tough. I would I would say it's possible, but I don't I would say it's not likely. And I think that, you know, if you construct a perfect team around that type of player, then yes, I think it can work. And there and there are some of those guys that, you know, obviously not maybe not the force that Westbrook has played with in the past, but there are a lot of super high usage guys that do play a similar style. You know, Luka Doncic is obviously someone where, you know, the highest usage rate in the league, the whole offense works around him. You know, we've seen how well Dallas is playing. We'll, you know, we'll come to see in the playoffs, you know, if they have enough, if that works for them. You know, James Harden in the past, in those Houston years, he had the ball all the time. 
they came very close, but you know, ultimately didn't win. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe if it's a caliber of player in Westbrook's, you know, a Hall of Famer, but maybe if it's someone who has a little bit more of a well-rounded game and can shoot it uh, a little bit better, maybe it can work. But uh, especially in today's game, where you kind of need at least you know two or three stars, it seems like to win, and other components to your team as well. Obviously, I think it's really tough when you have just kind of that one central guy who makes it all work around you. It, it you know, especially in the playoffs where teams can can kind of load up and key in and and find adjustments to make it tougher. Uh, it just puts yep. so much pressure on one person that I, I I find it really tough. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now I, I look at it kind of like a Jason Kidd type game where you, you're posting your, your your guard. You got a big body guard, and you're forcing you know the little guards to help. But nowadays these guards and you got LeBron James bringing up. There's no guards that are small anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're not bully balling no more. That that style of play it may work one or two plays, but it's not going to be consistent, you know. And um, I'm a Cali kid, so I can say this: like, like uh, Westbrook, I don't think he really worked on his handles. I think that's the key piece of of the feel for the game. He's a strong attack guard, and he's quick as lightning. But he never worked on his pass, his handles, and that was kind of one of his kryptonites that that actually held him back. You know, the way. And I'm not comparing him at all. He's an elite player, so he's in a whole other category for anybody that I say. But, you know, the way these guys that are point guards right now got the ball on the string, you know, um, Chris Paul and Steph Curry, um, is more so uh, they're in the flow of it where they can get their shot off better. They, they It's really fluent, you know what I mean? They're not yeah. stiff. It feels like he's kind of stiff the way he's playing and stuff, and he's getting caught, you know, playing that kind of stiff ball so uh it's a different style of play for sure yeah and like you said just kind of in today's era especially uh you know shooting is really important you know there are certain guys who can still get it done with not being a great shooter from the outside but you know it it can limit you a lot and especially like we said when you get to play out basketball or defenses tighten up and you know lock in a little bit more uh, you know, if you're not able to connect from the outside, you know, like we saw, you know, with Ben Simmons last year and, yeah. and obviously everything that went on with that, um, you know, there's been guys like Rondo who have not been great shooters who have had success, but the game has, has kind of evolved where you have to at least be a threat uh, to keep things open and keep defenses honest. And, and, you know, that's been something along with the handle that Westbrook, you know, has really struggled at, you know, his ability to, yeah. to knock down shots from the outside and, uh, it just allows defenses to to kind of relax a little bit or, or you know kind of sneak off and put their help defenses in, in other places and, and kind of shrink the floor so uh you know yeah I think that's another reason why you've seen just kind of this struggle this season even if some of the overall stats you know are still decent you look at the shooting percentages the turnovers uh you know obviously the the record for the team uh you know I think it's reflective in that mm-hmm mm-hmm all right Alex before we get out of here uh quickly bopping over to the Eastern Conference um you know a lot of teams jumbled up there near the top who do any any quick thoughts on on who you like just looking forward to the playoffs in the east uh you know one or two teams that you think have a good shot I'm loving the fact that the government over over there the governor over there is actually allowing Kawhi to act, I mean Kawhi uh Kyrie to actually hoop now you know what I mean so that's 
that brings some light over there to Brooklyn. Yeah. And it's going to be scary for sure. And uh, I got to say this too. This guy, Atacupo, is playing out of this world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For somebody that actually just, um, they always say what he can't do and he always finds a way to develop. And he's shooting threes off the dribble. He's doing a lot for his team that, that was needed. Posting and fading. It's bringing another dynamic that the, that the eyes got to look at, you know, when they're actually coming against trying to stop them even more so now, um, the Milwaukee Bucks. So they've always been a contender. Um, Brooklyn's always been number one, too, as well. So those two teams are, are hard to beat for sure. Even though, you know, the 76ers, I don't think they're even going to be a caliber of team as far as, you know, stopping these guys for sure. Yeah, obviously the Sixers have a lot of talent, but, you know, it just seems like, you know, there's some some issues there. And, and obviously we know Harden, who's super talented, has, you know, has had some issues in the playoffs in the past. So, uh, you know, that's something yeah. to watch. But, but yeah, no, I, I kind of I agree. You know, Milwaukee, of course, are the defending champs. And like you said, Giannis is just getting better and better and better. Or he's, you know, yeah. one of the top two, three guys in the league. And, you know, Brooklyn is a super interesting team just because obviously they've had a ton of injuries right now they're gonna have to go through that that play in tournament just like the Clippers are but same kind of thing whoever you know they get through whether it's the one or the two seed that's a hell of a matchup if you got Durant and Kyrie healthy you know regardless of what's around them so uh with those two guys they definitely will still have a shot no matter you know who they're playing in in whatever round for sure I would love to say the Chicago Bulls but I think you know, when it comes down to playoff basketball, they're going to surprise a lot of teams for sure. But it's just, it just feels like they're a little bit too small, you know what I mean, in matching up against these guys as far as Brooklyn and, and Milwaukee. Yeah, and the Bulls... the way they play. Yeah, the Bulls, obviously, they have a few vets, you know, DeRozan and Vucevic, uh, but they're still pretty young, and they've really struggled against, you know, the better teams in the league. I think they're a great mm-hmm. story and super talented but I think they're probably not quite there yet in terms of being up with the elite. But again, like you said, they're not a team that you're going to be happy about facing. Uh, you know, I think that's the, that's going to be the fun thing about these playoffs in both conferences. Every single matchup is going to be great, and I think you could, you know, right. d- depending on what it yeah. is, kind of talk yourself into being picking any winner for for any matchup, yeah. whether no matter what the seed is. So I think that's probably the most exciting thing about these playoffs is that it might be as wide open as we've seen. You know, Phoenix, as we said, will give them credit as one of the favorites, and Milwaukee, of course, is the champs. But, uh, you know, a lot of teams can talk themselves into believing that it's their year. So I think that's kind of the most exciting thing about the playoffs coming up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Both, both sides, though, who do you think is going to have it, have the chip, the east or the west? Who do you <laughs> think is coming out of? Oh, east man. or west? I'm going to... I'm gonna say it goes back to the West this year. I don't. I don't know the. Okay. I don't know the team yet, but I'm gonna say it comes. <laughs> we'll, we'll save that for our playoff preview next week. But yeah, I don't. Okay. I don't know the team just yet, but uh, I'll say I'll say the West will take it back this year. Okay, that's how, awesome. How about you? How you feeling? Man, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say the West. I'm gonna say the West. Okay. Well, we'll leave. We'll leave it there. Like we said, we'll. Uh, We'll have yeah, some we'll more some more full <laughs> predictions next week. But Alex, great getting back to it, chopping it up with you, and we'll we'll be back next week at you know the conclusion of the regular season and look forward to a play in game and then hopefully a long playoff run. So a lot, a lot to to come up here on Believe in Clippers. 
All right, and that'll do it for this week's edition of the Believe in Clippers podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple. And we're available wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to subscribe and lock us in. We'll have a lot of great coverage coming up for the playoff run, play-in game, all of that coming up here on the Believe Podcast Network. So thanks to my co-host, Alex Acker. Thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you again next week on the Believe Podcast Network, Ellie's number one sports podcast network, and the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our L.A. teams. Do you believe? Go Clips. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.